Hey trainers, it's me, your host, Ryan Geyser, coming at you recorded with a low-energy opening to I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Them All was taken. Today we delve into the minds of a child. A child who, unlike the rest of us, has an overpowered companion. A child who goes on a quest that many of us can only dream of. I don't know where I'm going with this. I kind of just started talking and seeing what would happen. I just really don't have any updates. N- nothing's really going on that's uh, of note. I mean, I guess I could say I started a sword fighting class, and that's fun. That's pretty cool. But uh, otherwise, my, my week's been busy, and I haven't had time to do anything that's actually fun or worth talking about, really. So I guess um l- let's just jump right into it. I, I I don't know where to go with this. So begin the episode. <laughs> Woohoo! Episode 119. A sappy ending. Synopsis. Meeting a forest ranger, our heroes learn of an ecological disaster. A swarm of pincer are scaring away a group of heracross, causing the balance of nature to become disrupted. Continuing towards the Violet City gym, Ash notices that the lush green forest they're walking through has some noticeably bare and weakened trees. Brock points out that, well, they aren't burnt, nor is it fall yet, so they shouldn't be this barren. Pikachu then spots a swarm of hair across covering one of the trees, drinking the sap from its trunk. Ash, having never seen one, quickly pulls out his Pokedex. Hearing that their favorite food is fresh tree sap, Ash decides to catch the swarm, saving the trees and getting a new Pokemon while he's at it. However, before he can throw the Pokeball, a kind, bearded man warns the boy that, while he's technically free to catch the Heracross, removing them may cause harm to the forest. He then introduces himself as Woodruff, a ranger of the area, and Dan Green doing something that almost sounds like Yami Yugi. He explains to the group that the Heracross feeding on the tree actually helps nature in the grand scheme of things. The butterfree of the forest need the sap too, but can't break the tree open, so they feed on the open segments Heracross are finished with. Misty is still a little doubtful though, pointing out the dead trees around them and wondering if nature is out of balance. Woodruff then somewhat agrees with her, going on to say that an invader is threatening the natural order. Just then, Pikachu perks up and alerts the group to a swarm of pincer, Woodruff saying they're the cause, which is clearly demonstrated when the more aggressive bug types scare off the Butterfree and Heracross, neither of which are very confrontational. Our heroes then notice that one of the Heracross stayed behind, attempting to protect the Butterfree that got left back, but unfortunately is getting a royal smackdown from the pincers. Ash sends out his Bulbasaur, calling for it to use Vine Whip, which knocks the pincer off the tree. The Butterfree escapes, but Heracross is too weak to flee, Ash having Pikachu use Thunderbolt to draw the pincer's attention. The plan works a little too well, the entire swarm charging at Pikachu, who swiftly dodges out of the way. Ash then calls for Heracross to come on down, which it does, Ash thinking it's approaching his Pokemon to give thanks. When instead it just tries to suck pollen from Bulbasaur's back, being knocked off by the grass type. 
Misty annoyedly realizes that Heracross was just trying to eat more, not protect the Butterfree. But Ash says that it doesn't matter since the Pinter were scared off and everything is back to normal. Except it's not, Woodruff points out, back to normal. The Pinter can just keep coming back, which is odd since they usually peacefully keep to themselves on the other side of a ravine. But something's been chasing them away to seek food elsewhere, causing the disturbance the Poke Crew just witnessed. While Ash and Brock try to not so subtly insert themselves into the situation, Misty not so subtly tries to flee from it, unwilling to get involved in a plot involving bugs. But with a reminder that the health of the forest lies in the balance, Misty reluctantly agrees, all of them heading towards Pinsir territory. They quickly encounter a pretty overgrown section, Ash sending out Bulbasaur to razor-leaf the obstacles away. But hearing footsteps, our heroes turn and notice the Heracross from earlier trying and failing to be sneaky. Ash cockily bets it wants him to be its protector, but Misty bets it just wants to eat Bulbasaur. However, the little grass frog fires a razor leaf to keep it back before everyone moves on, the Heracross still following at a distance. Shortly after recalling Bulbasaur, the group come across the ravine, which is extremely deep and dangerous. Thankfully, there's a rope bridge just a little bit further upstream. But knowing this anime, and anime and cartoons in general, I suppose, things are going to get real rickety soon. <laughs> Good one, me. <laughs> this is proven correct when they all arrive and see that every single plank on the bridge is broken. Woodruff especially shocked since it was fine a week ago. Misty then notices the pincer hopping across the river gorge via overhanging branches. Ash bets the bugs cut the rope just because they want it to be mean. But Brock doubts this, Woodruff confirming his skepticism and pointing out that the ropes don't match pincer slices and were all cut by a human. The group is determined to cross, but is unsure how. Until they hear some creaking, the Heracross attempting to push over a tree. Misty angrily thinks it's just messing around and eating, but Brock thinks it's helping, his assumptions once again being proven right when the tree falls over neatly on top of where the bridge was, creating a new way across. Woodruff, Ash, Pikachu, and Brock all begin crossing, but Misty hangs back, screaming about how crazy they all are. But when Togepi jumps out of her arms and onto the tree, then nearly falls off, Misty rushes to grab them, deciding to cross the rest of the way now that she's out here. Ash asks the Heracross if it's coming, but it's too busy drinking the sap from their new bridge, so the group just leaves it be. Continuing further into Pincer territory a bit later, the Pokey crew sees Heracross still following, but Woodruff demands that they stay focused, as whatever is causing the Pincer problem could be nearby. He then directs their attention to the tallest tree on this side of the forest, where the Pincer call home. Getting closer, our heroes discover a giant Pincer on the top of the tree, but Woodruff remains incredulous, knowing for a fact that Pincer can't get that big. At least until Legends Arceus made Alpha Pokemon canon, but don't worry about that. Pincer isn't even in Arceus, so I, maybe it doesn't even work. I don't know. He then gets a better look, realizing it's just a robot made to look like a pincer, and it's harvesting the tree's sap. Just as Misty wonders who could build a Pokemon-shaped robot, a head-scratcher, the predictable culprits predictably reveal themselves. 
It's Team Rocket, if you couldn't guess. Meowth tells the group that they ordered the robot in a catalog after, while starving, the group smelled something delicious, discovering the pincer eating the tree sap. Initially reluctant, after seeing Meowth try and like it, Jesse and James marvel at how good it is. It's sweet, and it's yummy. It tastes like honey. It's delicious and nutritious and it's free. This junk tastes better than maple syrup, if you ask me. You've just given me a million dollar idea. What? I could use the million bucks. Can I have it back? No, it belongs to me. I'll open an exclusive pancake house, and instead of using maple syrup, I'll slap on the sap. Then I'll add my own blend of Limburger cheese and Cajun curry powder. Oh, and I'll call the place the International House of Jesse. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. A million dollar disaster. Man, I love these backstories. They're so stupid. However, the three later decide that the pancake idea was a bit too floppy, so they instead settled on harvesting literally all the sap from the forest to bottle it up and sell it at all-night convenience stores as rocket sauce. Brock realizes that the pincer are all left to find more food somewhere else, and that Team Rocket could destroy the whole forest. Woodruff and Ash going on a speech about why humans should respect nature. Jesse sends out Lickitung and James Victory Bell before he runs and hides to not get eaten. Then, realizing to his confusion that his head isn't being bitten, noticing angrily that the grass type is also eating some sap, getting eaten due to the scolding. Lickitung is also distracted eating. Meowth decides to take control of the situation himself, sending the pincer robot forth to fight. Ash sends out Bulbasaur, having it use Razor Leaf, but the attack is ineffective. Bulbasaur thought it could stop our pincer by putting its pedals to the metal. <laughs> that was a good one. I'm glad they're having fun at least. It then tries a Vine Whip, managing to restrain and spin the robot around. Ash then has Pikachu Thundershock it, but it just charges up the mecha, which fires an electric attack right back, knocking down the whole group. As Meowth prepares to have it finish the Pokey crew off, Heracross jumps into their rescue, blocking and holding off the robot. The bug type slowly begins to lose its footing, but after encouragement from Ash, it begins pushing the pincer bot back. Even Misty cheers for it, proclaiming the beetle is no longer creepy. The humans take this opportunity to try prying the sap tanks off its back. Meowth unable to do anything due to Heracross's interference. Jesse and James then take the controller, and all three fight over it, causing the mechanism to break while our heroes finish removing the sap. Given the go-ahead by Ash, Heracross uses its horn to lift and fling the robot, sending it into the air and down onto Team Rocket, causing an explosion which blasts them off. As the group celebrates, they then notice the pincer slowly and cautiously returning to their home, Woodruff happy at nature healing. We then get some slight time skip shots of Pincer, Heracross, and Butterfree enjoying the trees on their respective sides of the forest. The Heracross that was following the group timidly approaches Ash, the boy and his friends praising its efforts. Ash then says that he'll miss such a fantastic super awesome Pokemon. Waving goodbye to the Bug and Ranger as the trio departs, Woodruff wishing them luck. However, as they're leaving the forest, Pikachu notices something amiss, notifying Ash that Heracross is following them, despite being away from the tree line. 
Misty curiously asks why Heracross isn't with its friends, Brock suggesting that maybe it wants to accompany the group. Ash asks if this is true, the bug confirming this and allowing Ash to capture it, leading to our hero's very first Pokemon team member. Happy with a new ally, the group continues onwards. Heracross to me has always been an okay, sure I guess Pokemon, which means I definitely don't dislike them, but they're not in my favorites, and I sometimes forget they're a thing. But the anime does a really good job at making me love Heracross. It makes him so adorable. I love the big guy. I think this episode does a really good job of achieving its goal of introducing Heracross. It quickly sets up a conflict in stakes, presents a few small obstacles, and then one final challenge and resolution, new party member included. It all fits nice and compact in a not-rushed episode experience. Good job, anime, and good job, Heracross. Let's see if Heracross continues to do a good job in... Episode 120, Roll on Pokemon! Yay! Synopsis. The group meets a Dawn fan trainer that uses her Pokemon to search for valuable minerals. But when Team Rocket steals one to find their own geology-based fortune, the Poke Crew helps get it back! Still not in Violet City, the group emerges from the woods and stares in awe at the mountain range and valley stretching before them. But just as Ash excitedly demands they move forward, an earthquake shakes the area, causing the group to back up for safety. Thankfully, it stops after only a few seconds, and our heroes decide to try getting through the area as quickly as they can. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is also recovering from the quake-induced panic, relieved that they're okay before another slight quake causes the edge of the cliff they're sitting on to break and them to plummet into the valley's trees. Saved by vines, James and Meowth question their plan, but Jesse yells that some falling rocks can't stop them before a giant falling rock lands on them. <laughs> yeah, it just cuts off like that. They're dead. Rip. As Ash and Co. proceed through the valley woods, they hear some leaves rustling in a bush. Taking a closer look, they see a Dawn fan. Ash looks it up, despite having technically met one in the first movie, and decides to catch it. However, Brock stops the boy, saying that he should catch this Pokemon, pointing out that the smaller tusk on it indicates its youth, and that a training breeder should care for it instead of a young trainer. I'll help it grow. Don't be selfish, Ash. Think of what's best for that Dawn fan. I'm what's best for that Dawn fan. Well, I now, say I'm... Look, guys. There's really nothing for you to fight over. The Dawn fan's leaving. Wait! Where are you going? Brock, despite having just said how young it is, sends out Onyx to murderize it. The snake uses tackle, but the Dawn fan jumps out of the way, quickly shifting into a rollout and slamming into Onyx, knocking it out. Brock then steps back to let Ash have a go, the protagonist sending out Heracross for a test run. Seeing how well Onyx's attack didn't work, Ash has the bug tackle as well, this one actually hitting. The elephant tries to use Rollout again, but Heracross stops it with a horn attack, launching it into a tree and nearly out cold. Just as Ash is about to order the final blow, a voice angrily yells, That's enough! A girl stepping in front of the Dawn fan before noticing it's injured and rushing to check on it. The girl, Rochelle, accuses Ash of trying to steal her Pokemon, threatening to report him to the authorities. 
Ashton nervously explains that it was an honest mistake, him and his friends thinking it was wild, turning to Brock to corroborate the story. My friend and I thought it was wild. Isn't that right, Brock? Hey, Brock, where'd he go? Uh... I tried. I tried to tell him your Don fan must belong to someone with rare talent. <laughs> and I can see I was right. Uh, what did you say your name was? I didn't, but it's Rochelle. I won't keep you in suspense. My name's Brock. Brock then notices the necklace Rochelle is wearing, being told that it's Amberite. Misty asks Brock what Amberite is, being told that it's an incredibly valuable gemstone on the same level of gold and diamonds. Rochelle then attempts to dismiss herself, asking the group to please try not to catch any more Dawn fan in the area as they're all hers. Ash understands, but then asks if she might be up for a battle. The girl declining after seeing the excitement her Dawn fan already went through and heading off. Ignoring Ash begging for a maybe tomorrow at least, and Brock thirsting over her. Jesse and James, both dressed as four strangers, are having the time of their lives looking for valuable rocks. Before Meowth tells them to pipe down, saying they're disguised so no one suspects them of illegally mining amberite. The two humans eagerly ask what to start digging, Meowth explaining that he learned a surefire way of finding some. Overhearing some people at a mountain cabin rest stop, Meowth learned that Donfan are effective at locating pretty high-quality amberite. The three then eagerly begin their hunt for one of the ground types. Elsewhere, Rochelle works on training her younger Donfan to find amberite. But while she's in the middle of giving it the stone scent, Team Rocket makes their presence known, James launching off some fireworks for literally no reason, while Jesse launches a net missile, stealing the Pokemon away via balloon lift, Rochelle chasing after them. Landing a little while later, the trio celebrate one of their first actual successful heists. But when Meowth demands Donvan start looking for Amberite, it refuses. Jesse starts berating it, but James suggests that they overwhelm it with kindness to be led to the stone, offering the Pokemon a bunch of leaves as a snack. Rochelle, meanwhile, is calling out for Donphan in the woods. Overhearing her, Ash's group checks to see what's wrong, Brock guessing that she was actually just calling for him. But Misty drags him away. Rochelle then explains to Ash that some people in orange jumpsuits stole her Pokemon, and upon hearing the details about the talking Meowth, the group immediately realized who it is. The Dawn fan, still stuffing itself with leaves, is annoying the impatient Jessie, James attempting to keep her calm. And when the Dawn fan begins to head deeper into the valley, it looks like their bribe may have worked, the trio eagerly following with shovels. When the Dawn fan indicates a particular spot in the ground, the rockets quickly dig into the earth. On our hero's end, Brock Zubat returns in failure, unable to locate the Dawn fan with echolocation due to all of the trees blocking its sight. Man, if only Ash went back for Pidgeot after the Orange Islands, huh? Rochelle, having for some reason not decided to do this earlier, pulls out a whistle and blows, attracting a herd of Dawn fan to her side. She tells the three trainers that she taught her Pokemon to respond to the whistle, but unfortunately hadn't had time to teach the young one that got stolen yet. Yeah, what are you gonna do? She then orders the Dawn fan to go locate the missing one. During the search, Team Rocket hasn't had any luck with their dig, the surrounding area covered in empty pits. 
James begs the Dawn Fan to find some Amberite, and is excited when it seems to have smelled something, only to be disappointed when he sees that it's the big Dawn Fan herd rushing towards them, and even more disappointed when Ash and Co. join them. Misty suggests that the three just hand back the Dawn Fan and everyone can leave with no hassle, but the Rockets refuse, initiating a battle. James and Jesse send out Victory Bell and Arbok, the former eating James's head. Brock sends out Onyx, binding Victory Bell mid-attack. Unfortunately, Victory Bell's sleep powder knocks Onyx out pretty much immediately. Ash and Misty then toss out Heracross and Poliwag, the tadpole double-slapping the grass type, following with a bubble and knocking Victory Bell onto James and Meowth. Heracross then tackles Arbok, knocking the snake into Jesse, and follows with a horn attack, flipping the entire trio into their balloon. Pikachu then thunderbolts the big Meowth head, causing it to burst and launch the evil trio away. Rochelle is reunited with her Dawn fan, happy that it's okay. Misty then asks why the younger Dawn fan couldn't find any Amberite, Rochelle explaining that they need to be trained to find it, and that she was in the middle of teaching the Stolen One how to do it. Ash and his friends then laugh about Team Rocket getting what they deserve. Nothing. Rochelle then offers to show the group how Amberite is found, using one of her more experienced Dawn fan as a demonstration. Taking a sniff of her necklace, it then smells the air, finding something and ramming into a rock wall. Misty realizes that the earthquake earlier was from a digging Dawn fan, and a piece of shiny stone falls from the wall, Rochelle showing it to the group and declaring it Amberite. Brock asks what she does with the stone, the girl explaining that she sells it to artists and jewelers who utilize it in their work. Rochelle then asks if she can do anything to thank Ash, the boy requesting to finally have that battle he asked for earlier. Now much more open to the idea, she accepts, agreeing to use her experienced Dawn fan in the fight. Setting up nearby, Ash sends out Heracross, which manages to grab and stop the Dawn fan's tackle with Endure. The bug then tosses the elephant back, but it remains standing steadily, countering with a rollout. Heracross dodges the initial charge, but the Dawn Fan circles back around and manages to land a direct hit on the beetle, flinging it into a tree. Ash is initially worried his Pokemon fainted, but is annoyed to see it just eating tree sap. Let's go! This is no time to stop for a snack! He's never said that before. The Dawn Fan tackles Heracross, slamming into the charge with its own head, each Pokemon pushing against the other. Ash calls for a horn throw, but the Dawn Fan engages in a rollout while in the air, slamming into Heracross once more, knocking it down for real this time. Ash rushes to his Pokemon's side, complimenting its performance in battle. Rochelle helps to hype it up even more, saying that it did exceptionally well against an older, more experienced Pokemon like her Dawn Fan. Rochelle then explains to Ash that she's sure his Pokemon will become even stronger as it grows to know and work with Ash more effectively, Ash confidently telling his beetle that one day they'll be unbeatable. Later that day, Ash's group heads out of the valley, waving goodbye to Rochelle and her herd, knowing that this bit of experience will help Ash's gym challenge. This episode was a little weird. Not for any particular reason, it's just, after finishing my notes on it, I sat there for a while, unable to really 
think of anything to say for this closing part. There's just really not anything to say about this episode. You'll get that every now and then with Pokemon, where an episode isn't good nor bad, it's just an episode. It exists, and that's it. No one way or the other. And this is one of them. So, with my inability to say anything interesting here, let's just uh, scoot on over to... Episode 121. Illusion Confusion. Synopsis. To avoid getting lost in a forest of illusions, the trio rents a hoot-hoot from an old lady. But the owl is unique, to say the least, and might be more trouble than it's worth. Okay, you're gonna hear me say for a while that the group still isn't at Violet City, so get used to it. And not only are they still not at the city, they are once again lost. Don't tell me. We're lost again, aren't we? We're not lost, exactly. Oh no, we're not lost, it's just that we don't know where we are. This always happens when Ash is in charge. While Brock and Misty aren't the biggest fans of getting stuck in a spooky forest at night, Ash happily insists that they trust him before he takes off running down the trail, his two friends knowing that this situation is going to get a lot worse in a minute. Time skipping to nightfall, Misty angrily yells at Ash for getting them even more lost in the middle of nowhere. Ash calmly replies that everywhere is somewhere, though, and the group takes stock of their surroundings, intimidated by how oddly scary the forest is. I guess compared to all the others they've been in, at least, since they've camped in woods and forests plenty of times. As clouds cover the sky and wind blows, a haunting, echoey laugh fills the air, spooking our heroes further. Ash demands that the voices show themselves, but when the trees suddenly shift to have super spoopy faces on them, the trio runs screaming further into the woods. Unfortunately for them, no matter which way they turn, the trees just keep shifting and scaring them in a new direction. Eventually, they get blasted with a red beam of light, the beam changing the trees back to normal. While Ash is wondering what that light was, he hears a surprising but familiar voice. Gary Oak! He explains to the Pokey crew that everything they saw and heard was an illusion, which was then broken by his Hoot Hoot's foresight. After Ash uses his Pokedex to learn more about the Pokemon, Gary teases Ash for being unsurprisingly unprepared. He then tells the boy that a hoot hoot is necessary to get through this forest, as it's full of illusions just like those trees, which can make the group get lost in it forever. However, Misty points out that Gary has a hoot hoot and is still in the forest, the other trainer humble bragging that he just lost track of time catching so many gosh dang Pokemon. Ah, he's such a silly master Pokemon trainer that realized right away he needed a hoot hoot. <laughs> Gary and his Hoot Hoot then immediately leave, giving no offer of assistance to Ash and his friends, our protagonist vowing to show him who's boss one day. Brock then reminds the boy that they need a Hoot Hoot to have any chance of escape, and their priority should be finding and catching one, Misty and Ash agreeing. Sadly, the group struggles immensely to find one, possibly because they're just wandering around the forest yelling for a Hoot Hoot to come out. Just as Ash is about to resign to hopelessness, a chirp alerts everyone to a hoot hoot just standing by Misty's legs. Hoot hoot! 
Misty tries to cautiously sidestep it, but the owl continues to follow her, slightly freaking the girl out. Ashton reassures her that's probably just saying hello. The Hoot Hoot then lunges at and viciously pecks Ash's head before running into the trees again. Desperate, the group quickly chases after it. It leads them right to some odd-looking stone structures, looking like gateways, but the three shrug it off as an illusion and continue running. Worried that Hoot Hoot will get away, Ash tries to have Pikachu stop it with a thunderbolt. But before the rodent can unleash it, the owl turns and angrily starts pecking Ash's head again. The boy runs around in a panic trying to get it off, but the bird suddenly stops, hopping off Ash and towards a small old lady standing nearby. Oh, this could be a trick. It's probably another illusion. Uh, you think so? Of course. Have you ever seen anything this scary even in your dreams? Guess not. Something that ugly only shows up in my nightmares. Is that uh, so? Uh, well, wake up, Sonny, because I'm the best-looking thing around here! Uh, Maybe it's real after all. The woman, Hagatha, explains that she runs a business in the woods. Hoot Hoot Rentals. She also tells the three that the forest's illusions are actually just caused by mysterious ghost Pokémon, not anything intentionally dangerous. After Misty bets that's how Gary got his owl, Ash jumps into the convo to beg the lady for his own bird. She agrees, but adds an extra bit of bad news. The hoot hoot that attacked Ash is the only one she has left at the moment, and it has never successfully guided a single person out of the woods. In fact, the last guy who borrowed it got lost for three days until he finally found his way back to Hagatha's hut. The elderly woman suggests they just wait until tomorrow to borrow a competent Hoot Hoot. But Ash refuses, saying that the longer he waits, the further ahead Gary is going to get. Ash, he had a head start on you and you already caught up to him, and catching Pokemon is clearly not your goal since you barely try for them. Plus, it's only like one night and the sky is already dark. You can wait like eight hours or so. Our hero bets that all the Hoot Hoot needs is a good trainer like him, and it'll be the perfect guide, picking the bird up lovingly. It then jumps off his head and runs to Misty, Hagatha laughing and mentioning that, well, since she was the one who raised it, the bird only gets along with pretty girls. Misty happy at the indirect compliment. Elsewhere, Team Rocket is lost in the forest as well, James examining a map. We've been hanging round in these woods so long, I feel like a pine cone. James, have you found a way out of this forest yet? Not yet, Jess. But I think I may have discovered a good way to get in. Maybe we should try taking that route and just walk backwards. But suddenly, the Pokey Crew walks by. Jesse and James happy at their luck, but Meowth's still a bit exasperated. As our heroes head down the path, Hoot Hoot begins to shiver in fear, terrified of the Will-O-Wisp surrounding the group. Team Rocket, watching from a distance, however, just sees the group flailing and screaming at nothing. Also, despite knowing their relatively harmless illusions, Ash begs the Hoot Hoot to blast them away, please! It is too scared to do so, but then Misty asks, and it happily does so. Unfortunately, its foresight isn't strong enough, unable to see through the wisps. Ash tries to encourage it, but it once again only listens when Misty asks. But when the wisps form together to 
But when the wisps form together into one menacing, smiling flame, Hoot Hoot runs away, Ash's group quickly following. When they eventually stop to catch their breath, Ash passive-aggressively mentions Hoot Hoot leaving them for dead, Misty pointing out that Hagatha did warn them. Growing frustrated, the boy picks the owl up, saying it's time for it to actually try for once and starting to march off. His friends say that he's being too harsh, but Ash argues that Hoot Hoot is a Pokemon and should act like the powerful creature it is. The bird then breaks out of his grasp, running back to Misty, but even she's starting to agree, asking Hoot Hoot a bit more nicely to just try a tiny bit harder, as it'd really help both the group escape and Hoot Hoot become stronger. The Pokemon agrees to try harder, but before they can put its courage to the test, Pikachu is coiled up by a rope and dragged off, Ash grabbing on as Team Rocket boldly announces themselves. They manage to fling Ash off into a perfectly placed ink print just to mock the impression he leaves in it before flinging Pikachu into a box. Rock wonders if this might be another weird illusion, but Misty sadly says it's real. The rockets then hop into a rope zipline they placed in the trees, showing great speed and ingenuity and remember that far-fetched guy having a copy of Misty's backpack already prepared was considered an error. But before they can get very far, the rope line snaps, causing the boat to fall and Pikachu's box to fly right back into Ash's hands. <laughs> Yay! Angered, the rockets send out Arbok and Victory Bell, the plant-eating thing happening again. Ash sends out Bulbasaur, but before the battle can get really going, Hoot Hoot begins hopping wildly in the middle of it all, a fog rolling in momentarily before vanishing again. The Rocket Trio then notice a Dragonite just standing right behind them. Greed taking hold, they send Arbok and Victory Bell at it, but the dragon dodges and hovers deeper into the forest. The Rocket's pursuing it! Come back! Ash and Co. confused why they're running after nothing. But just as Brock guesses it's another illusion, a horde of ashes appear around the group, all arguing that they're the real one. Yeah, but which one's the real Ash? I'm Don't the real one. Either. No, I'm here. Here I am. Here I am. Don't you. let him trick me. Panicking, Pikachu just electrocutes the whole swarm, Misty, Brock, and their Pokemon running out of the blast radius just in time. This does actually work, though. All of the clones vanishing in a puff of smoke while a dazed Ash thanks his partner. A scream then cuts through the chaos, Ash turning to see Misty surrounded by bug types. Brock tries to convince her it's just an illusion, but she's terrified by how real they seem nonetheless. Hoot Hoot panics and tries to run away, but Ash scolds them for trying to flee like a coward when they, especially Misty, need it the most. Finally collecting its courage, the Hoot Hoot blasts a foresight beam right at the bug types, dispelling them and revealing the Haunter and Gengar causing the illusions. Taking this opportunity, Ash has Bulbasaur and Pikachu attack the spirits, scaring them all away. Ash proudly tells Misty that he finally got Hoot Hoot to listen, picking up the bird and apologizing for his tough love, only to be met with pecking as Hoot Hoot attacks and rushes to Misty's side for praise. As the sun begins to rise, the group is horrified to find that they're right back at the stone structures at Hagatha's hut, 
But when they notice the old woman walking towards them, she angrily yells that she's not Hagatha, and is actually her twin sister Nagatha, the prettier of the two. At Nagatha's home, they phone up Hagatha and let her know of their safe passage, and Ash takes all the credit for getting them out safe, despite him not doing much, actually. Our heroes then wave goodbye to the woman and Hoot Hoot, heading off to continue their journey. We also get one more shot of the rockets lying on a sunny beach, enjoying the rays, happy they're finally out of the forest. Until it's revealed it's just another illusion by the ghost types. Dun dun dun! Alright, now we're really starting to have fun with Pokemon abilities! While Gen 1 showed off some of the special stuff certain Pokemon could do, it definitely ran out of cool stuff to show by the start of Orange Islands, and really had to reach for new ideas. While I love some of the reaching it did, don't get me wrong, it probably would have gotten stale after enough continuation. But now, with Gen 2, we have a whole smorgasbord of Pokemon abilities to make the new episodes, and it shows that they get creative with it all. This is a fun little detour episode that really utilizes Hoot Hoot's signature ability, back when it was a signature ability, and was overall enjoyable and goofy to watch. Nice episode! Hey guys, it's me, future Ryan, because the past episodes were recorded weeks and weeks ago, and I'm here to say, surprise, I'm I'm here, doing my thing, uh, giving the outro that you've all come to super duper cravy ravey. So, if you enjoyed listening, please consider following the podcast. I will do my best to keep up with it. I promise I'll do my best to rest. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at Wannavary. And uh, to tell, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your Pikachu how much I care for you. My low energy is projecting onto you, so so be happy, be chill, be a good boy, and have a great Morning, day, evening, night, outside of space, time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye!